sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. In 2020, the great likelihood is that an independent would just split the anti-Trump vote and end up re-electing the president. But Howard Schultz thinks Bloomberg is underestimating independence. I also believe that there are lifelong Democrats and lifelong Republicans who are will likely want to find a new home. We agree on the fact that there is a problem and we should do something about it. So let's spend some time over the next three weeks. Let's get it done. The president's opened the government. Those constituents want the country secure. They want the border secure. Uh, I think uh, Speaker Pelosi's position that she's only willing to provide a dollar, it's just not serious. And it's it's frankly not leadership. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And uh, we have a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to be chatting with Bert Harper. He is uh, one of the co-hosts of Exploring the Word, and we're going to be talking about the Fishbowl Conference. You might be wondering what that is. I'm going to hold off until he comes on and let him tell you. Uh, fascinating, and it's a great way for us to jumpstart the new year by having a conference like this and it being sponsored by American Family Radio. So really excited to chat with him. Uh, right now, I want to dig straight into the program. Um, we have this ongoing issue, and that is that the Democrats seem to be really, um, they're, they're, they're discombobulated. They're Perfluffled. They're, you know, the, the, the use of cute fake words kind of disguises the fact that I'm really perplexed by this idea that they can't just sit down and say, you know what, you know, gamesmanship is over. We won the silliness. You know, we, we, we won the arm wrestle. You had to reopen the government. Now, let's get back to business. We voted for walls before. We voted for funding before. We've never opposed there being a national sovereignty of the United States. We never opposed that until now. And even though we still hate you and don't like you, President Trump, and we're still going to insult you and we still plan to investigate you and try to impeach you and beat you, as far as Americans dying, we just can't be for that. We're still human too. Where are those Democrats? Where are the Democrats who actually say, I'm still a human being. Uh, I I still bleed. I, I still have family members. I can't imagine losing a family member to illegal alien crime. I can't imagine having my town overrun by migrants. I can't imagine having my kid's school have more English as a second language teacher uh, population than, than, than any other uh, you know, elective. I can't imagine having to rearrange and reorient everything in my life to accommodate people who are here illegally. I want law and order too. I'm not soft on crime. I'm an American. Where are those Democrats? I'm, I'm just wondering where they are. And for those who aren't in elected office, where are those Democrats? It has to be that they're out at the gas station pumping gas when I go to pump my gas. It has to be that they're at the grocery store, too, kind of looking at the size of the rice, the rice-a-roni box and thinking, Is, has this box always been this small? It, it has to be that when I'm in church with my hands lifted up, beseeching God on behalf of my family and my personal problems and, and, and my country, that there are Democrats in the, in the same sanctuary with their hands raised up, praying to God for their problems. It has to be that Democrats are still regular people too. Or are they? Or are they? My question for people who say, well, I just can't stomach the Republicans because they're such huge racists. Since when? 
was racism the primary concern of every single American after we've had the first black president? After we've had all of these gains, as we continue to take every day another, I don't know, thousand steps or so, maybe 8,000 steps, maybe you're a 10,000 day a step a day person, which you rock if you are, 10,000 steps a day towards a race neutral America. We're already there. I, I, don't, I don't have problems going anywhere and doing anything that I, that I want to do. And when I realize that someone doesn't want me in their shop, I leave and I take my green money somewhere else. My American dollars spend anywhere. So since when has race trumped actual living? I'm pretty sure we could put up with 50% more actual racist than we have in this country right now if we knew we'd still be able to live. But can we really have 10% of our drunk driving accidents on the roads be illegal aliens and think that's okay? If we could reduce drunk driving accidents by 10%, why wouldn't we do that? If we could reduce the number of people killed or maimed in drunk driving accidents by 10%, I mean, I've been told so many times that I need to give up my guns and give up my right to the Second Amendment because if it could just save one life, how dare I? cling to my guns and my Bible if I could just save one life? Well, if you could save tens of thousands of lives by simply admitting that we need a wall at the southern border and we need to stop giving refugees and illegal aliens priority over American citizens, then why aren't you doing that? That's why I never take the gun control people seriously because they don't care about lives. They care about disarming us so that we're better in a better position to be taken over by outsiders or by them. So I'm, I'm looking here at this and I'm, I'm getting off my, my show sheet here. Um, Cheney says, if Democrats continue to refuse to secure the border, they won't be in the majority for long. And I, I love how simplistic this has boiled down to. Americans aren't going to put up with the Democrats chicanery. It's number one. If the Democrats are going to use their majority in the House of Representatives to block the funds that are necessary to secure the American people, then they won't have their majority for very long. And I think certainly we're in a situation where the president said, we have got to get this money to secure the the border. Uh, We've got to get this money for a wall. And the Democrats refuse continuously to come to the table to negotiate. So now he's calling their bluff. And and we're all very hopeful that they will now do what's right for the country. It'll be very interesting to see. I think that you're going to find that there is increasing pressure on the, particularly some of the freshman Democrats Mm -hmm. who were just elected, who represent districts that Republicans previously held, where those constituents want the country secure. They want the border secure. Uh, I think uh, Speaker Pelosi's position that she's only willing to provide a dollar, it's just not serious. And it's it's frankly not leadership. So, uh, you know, I I suggested last week that her party needs to conduct an intervention. And I think that's still absolutely true if if we want to see them do what's right for the nation. An intervention is definitely what's needed. Have you ever watched those shows where they do an intervention? My my favorite and It's kind of a perverse thing for me to say it's my favorite because it's so disturbing to watch, but it's like you can't take your eyes away. And it's been, it's been a few years since I've seen an episode, but I used to watch and we, back when we had cable and we had uh, HGTV or was it the Discovery Channel? It was one of the channels that Home and Garden uh, having to do with home improvement. It might've been Home Improvement Channel. They would have this show 
about people who were hoarders. Actually, it was like uh, TLC, I think, had this show about hoarders. So we, we don't have cable anymore, so I have no idea. And what would happen is these people, um, they'd be living in a place that it, it was obviously infested with rats or they would only have one working bathroom in the whole house and there'd be two people living there. And they to get to it, they had to kind of walk through a maze that they had carved between all of their stuff. And sometimes it would it'd be like a room full of newspaper. And the only way to get from one side to the other side of that room, you couldn't walk all the way around the room. You couldn't even walk on top of the newspaper. You had to kind of walk straight through a, a tunnel that had been carved out of the newspaper. And it was whatever they collected. And they would go on yard sales and places like that to buy more, but it wouldn't fit in the house. So they would put it outside and they would have piles of things outside. And what would happen is they'd bring over this, there were two of them. One was a lady and one was a guy. And one of these two, they're like psychotherapists, but they help people who have this issue with hoarding. And they'd come over and it'd be the family members, like one of their kids or maybe their, their only child or whatever, and their ex-spouse, because the spouse would have divorced them and left and, you know, because they had to get away from, from the mess. And they'd come over and they'd basically kind of almost yell at the person and say, you know, you're, you're living incorrectly and you're killing yourself and we're, we're afraid for your safety. You know, the house is a fire hazard and the person, the stranger would be the part that would throw off the hoarder because they'd say, who's this? Who have you brought to my house? Because they didn't want anyone to come in and see what their house looked like. And the psychotherapist hoarder specialist would go through and ask them questions like, why, why does this room look like this? And why, why are you living this way? Don't you want freedom to move around? And what happened to make you feel like you needed to fill up your space with stuff so you don't feel this or so you don't experience that or what have you? And they would, they would break the person down. And it was done out of love because obviously you don't want your family member to die in a house fire because they're living with you know, so much refuse, but it was also so that they could experience their life and enjoy it. And I feel like the Democrats need an intervention because the only thing they care about is raw, naked power and winning. And they're willing to give up America to get it. And so it seems like on the surface, it's a political issue, but it goes deeper than that. When you're willing to say, you know, I know 75,000 people died last year of opioid overdoses and a lot of those drugs are coming in through the southern border, but I would rather hold on to the idea that illegal aliens come here out of love and they're mostly law-abiding. I just don't want to be wrong. Who cares about how many people died? Those are just raw numbers. These people need an intervention. But on the hoarder shows, the intervention that they would get would be obviously through family and, and et cetera. What the Democrats need is a return to... They used to have foundational principles, and while they were differing politically on certain issues, they still believed in God. They would never boo God. They never thought about elevating people who worship Satan. They didn't think abortion was a a good. They they were for it, but it was a necessary evil. They felt it was something that they had to support because of rape and incest. You notice you never hear about that anymore. Um, you never hear Democrats say, well, we need to keep abortion legal because of rape and incest. They don't even bother with that anymore, and mostly because people who have been born of rape and incest who are walking around alive today, viable people, wonderful people who are contributing to our country, are um, they fly in the face of the idea that the way a person was conceived should de determine whether or not they get to live or die. 
And so all of the good reasons they had for supporting abortion have flown out of the window due to technology and really a, a, a unwavering, unflinching war that's being waged on the idea that abortion is anything better than, than what happened during slavery, an, a dark period in American history that we have overcome. And that's why we, we see the Democrats behaving this way. It's because they need an intervention, but not the kind that comes from a couple of family members and a psychotherapist showing up. It's Jesus Christ that they need. They need the gospel and not the, you know, kind of prosperity, you know, kind of uh, cookie cutter, sugary cereal, you know, in the morning breakfast crash type of gospel, but the true gospel of Jesus Christ that it slices open the kind of rotting, festering sin thing, and it cuts through it and banishes it. And when that's gone, the person can see clearly that there is right and wrong. There's heaven and there's eternity separated from God. And that there's only one path that you can be on if you want to be assured that that eternity is going to be, you know, behind the huge pearl, a a gate that's made out of a single pearl. Um, you know, all of the different descriptions of heaven that you find in the Bible and specifically in Revelation, it's such a wondrous idea that we might one day get to be there, but it is hard work and it's not fun battling people who just want to feel good now, battling people who just want to bat onto their feelings now. So we've got to be just extraordinarily diligent about making sure that for the Democrats that we have in our lives who are deceived and absolutely hewing to an ideology that runs counter to what the Bible says. Don't take my word for it. Check the scriptures. If you're supporting abortion, you're going against what God has created. If you're supporting um, you know, illegal immigration, where do you think the concept of nations comes from? The Bible. Um, you know, so if, if you're your idea is that we need to unseat the president and remove him from office because you don't like him. The Bible says that we are to pray for those who are placed in authority over us and we're not to touch God's anointed. God turns the head of the leader whichever way he would have it to go. There is no option for supporting the things we're seeing coming from the left right now if your true allegiance is to Jesus Christ. There just isn't. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Bert Harper from Exploring the Word. Stay right there. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You can't squeeze more into three days, and we will, in Washington, D.C. on our Spiritual Heritage Tour in June and in September. We're going to the Capitol, Library of Congress, the Supreme Court, Lincoln Memorial, the Korean and Vietnam Memorials, the Iwo Jima Memorial, the Arlington National Cemetery, the White House, that's outside, Jefferson Memorial, and the National Archives, and we're going to Mount Vernon on that Saturday of our tour. So... So much to see, so much to do, and it includes lectures and talks from Stephen McDowell, who will be our historian along the way. For more information on these June or September 
spiritual heritage tours, and the separate tour to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. For all the information on this, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with The Legacy Moment. I have an older friend who spent years of his life attending a church that did not clearly preach the gospel. He was very religious, very involved, but it wasn't until a co-worker of his, a guy on his job, sat down and began talking to him about the difference between religion and a relationship with Christ that the lights finally came on. He surrendered his heart to Jesus Christ right there in the lunchroom at work. He's typical of what I believe takes place every day around the world. The story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 really is an excellent illustration of this reality. Listen to these words in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. See, that's sweet news to me. This man was sincere, but not converted. And God saw the sincerity of his heart. Well, Cornelius got converted, sweetly converted. He gave his life to Christ. Here's what I want you to remember today. If you're listening to me today and you're religious but don't have a relationship with Christ, know this. You don't have to work to get into heaven. In fact, you can't. God recognizes your sincerity. If you will right now say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I open my heart to you. He'll cleanse you right now and you'll become his child. Don't wait. More information about the ministry of Crawford Lorenz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for being here and thank you for making American Family Radio your home on the radio every day. We really appreciate having you. And it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. First time on the program, fantastic co-host of Exploring the Word on American Family Radio, Bert Harper, and uh, he's here to tell us about something called the Fishbowl Retreat, which I actually just learned about, and I'm so excited. Tell us more, Bert. Well, thank you for having me, Stacy. And it is. The Fishbowl Retreat is a, a retreat for pastors and their wives. And we do have the opportunity to come away. Jesus was always saying, let's come apart. Uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, great preacher, said, Unless a pastor comes apart every once in a while, he won't be worth anything. And uh, so, you know, when he's there. So this is a time we come together for uh, three days and two nights of fellowship, one with another, to encourage one another. Uh, You know, not how to preach better, not how to do a better committee meeting, but how to live this God to life. The Bible talks about it. Walk in, in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, you know, the Bible makes it plain. Pastors are to be an example to the flock. So Jan and I, my wife and I, do our best to encourage them and uh, to keep on and, and let the Lord's light shine through their lives as they preach and as they lead and as they minister. So that's what Fishbowl Retreat is all about, Stacy. 
Well, you know, Bert, I, I got to say, there's nothing like being among a group of people where you're all in the same boat, if you will. So, you know, sometimes it's really fun to go to a party or a conference or something, and there'll be many different kinds of groups represented there. But there's something so sweet and wonderful about being in a group that's a little smaller where everyone is doing the same work. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of comforting. And then the other aspect that I think sounds really fun is that it's not just for the pastors, but the wives get to come too. So there's an aspect of um, like getting away, like a, it's it's a retreat from the normal routine and you get to do something fun, but also be cared for. So, you know, have, have nobody's cooking everybody, you know, you get to sit down to dinners and that type of stuff, you know, I, just to fellowship. I knew you would hear that. My wife <laughs> hears that. And uh, when we do this promotion, uh, you'll hear my wife, Jan, uh, talk about it is because many times the pastor gets so ingrained in what he's doing that he doesn't realize that he needs to come aside. But his wife, his spouse, usually sees that, that there's a, a tiredness in his step. There's a lack of, of enthusiasm and passion in his preaching and teaching. So the fishbowl is there to encourage. Relationships are made. This is the neat part. We, Because of modern-day communication, we have people coming from all different states but they they get to know one another, and because of, of modern-day communication, they become real good friends and uh, communicate with one another. And so it's mm-hmm. a time to build relationships, not only with the Lord and with the husband and wife, but also with other couples. And that can be so encouraging because when you're thinking about your work situation, and this happens for everyone, not just pastors, you sometimes will reach a place where you, you feel stuck or you feel like you just you just need someone who knows what it is that you do to kind of be an ear for you. And it's not for complaining. It's for them to kind of build you up and encourage you or just to, to hear a voice that's familiar that comes from a time like a retreat where you've met and you've enjoyed yourself. That's so helpful to have those resources, that network of pastors who can rely on each other and really reach out to each other when they need something, anything at all, even just to sit and pray for a few minutes. That is so true. And the reason we call it fishbowl is because people notice their pastor. I I tell them when they go to a store, grocery store or anything, and they have their cart, uh, if members come along, they're going to notice what the pastor or his wife has in the cart. They're going to examine it, and uh, they're going to notice when you walk out, well, what kind of car did they get in? Uh, it's just part of the territory, and uh, pastors realize that, and they know that. And uh, so we come aside to encourage one another. Dr. Jeff Shreve, uh, who is host on a program here heard on AFR, from His Heart is going to be our guest speaker, and then mm-hmm. Jan and I will be there. Uh, we'll be doing conferences and, and holding discussions, and it's a time of worship, too. We got a guy that is just one of my greatest friends, Brent Colley. Uh, he lives in Savannah, Tennessee, where we have a radio station, and he comes and leads the music, and so it's a time of worship, a time of fellowship. And you was talking about the fellowship. Uh, the definition of fellowship is two fellows in the same ship. And, uh, you know, I, I say that with humor, of course, but it is, you know, working together, sharing together. And so we want people to recognize that in April the 9th, 10th and 11th this year, we're going to be meeting in Tyler, Texas at Pine Cove Camp at the Bluffs. Now, they have different 
areas there at Pine, uh, Pine Cove Camp, and we're at the Bluffs. It's great for couples. Each couple has their own room, and it's just great. Now, there's only room for a few. Uh, it's small, and you said it a moment ago, you know, a, a small group. We keep it that way because it just helps Jen and myself get to know everybody that's there. And mm-hmm. if it was a huge group with hundreds of they, uh, there, uh, you know, we'd just get to know a few. But this way we get to know one another, share with one another. And so it's a great time to come aside. And a lot of churches and Sunday school classes and individuals do this for their pastor, Stacy. And oh, it's, they it's, send them. Yeah, yeah, they do because they know uh, they want to bless their pastor and his wife. And this is an opportunity to do so. Okay, so I am on my little Bing search engine, and I have the images pulled up of downtown Tyler, Texas. And I just got to say, it looks nice. It looks like a really nice city. Um, and the, the April time frame, it'll be warm because right now we're in, we're suffering through actual real winter. The global warming we were promised has not manifested. Bird, I'm, I'm so disappointed. Um, but I, I got to say, this is, a, a, this is something to look forward to. This is April. It'll be getting warm. And people will be kind of getting a little restless, waiting for their flowers to start perking up in their yards and their gardens. And it'll be a good weekend to get away. And if you have, uh, you know, your pastor is looking a little slower in his step, as Bert said, it'd be great for the church to send him on and get to kind of get him a a refresh and a way to come back um, energized and ready to to keep doing the work that that pastors do so well. I, I love our pastor. I think... I've never seen him at the grocery store or anything um, because we be sure so, and check his cart when you well, do. Well, <laughs> I, you know, the funny thing is, I I know he runs around town, but I've never bumped into him. And we have a huge church where I'll actually see someone like if you're at the Dunkin' Donuts, you know, getting a cup of coffee, you look at the the car in front of you and you'll see the sticker. You're like, oh, they go to the same church as me. And you, as they're pulling around, you look. I've never seen that person before because I go to an evangelical mega church, so. I do recognize people at church on Sundays, but I rarely see people out that I recognize. So when you said that, now I think it's probably going to happen to me. I'm going to see <laughs> the pastor or his wife getting their groceries. I'm going to be like, hey, <laughs> hey, yeah. I, I've, I've met them both. I, I have done Bible study with our pastor's wife. We happened to be in the same group once, so I got to know her. Um, and they're they're great people. And So I just encourage everyone who's listening, if you are a pastor or a pastor's wife, you're not listening to this by accident. You 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 probably should be in Tyler, Texas in April. That's right. Uh, with Bert and his wife enjoying yourself and getting taken care of, having lift lift your feet up and have your load taken off for a little bit and enjoy yourself. It is a retreat, not a conference. If you go to a conference, it's meeting after meeting after meeting, <laughs> message after this is a retreat where we have time to sit and share with one another, get to know one another. And again, if you want to know more about it and see it in writing, you can go to repairingthefoundations.net. Now, that's repairingthefoundations.net. It's in lowercase, and it's foundations, plural. If, if you don't put the S on the end, Stacy, you'll find out how to repair your house when it's sinking. So, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so go to repairingthefoundations.net, and you'll see that. Go to the AFA Fishbowl Retreat. And uh, you'll find the information there. And there's a number that you can call. Just let, go ahead and let me give that besides mm-hmm. repairing the foundations. You can call this number and you can get in touch with a lady here that helps me do this. It is 1-800-326-4543. That's 
888-345-4543 in its extension 300 or ask for Barbara and uh, she will help you. She's such a gracious lady. And she keeps me from making all the mistakes that I would make if I were doing the bookkeeping, Stacy. I just mm. admit that real quickly. Well, I love that. <laughs> I love it when people have someone, you know, there's 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 people who have the gift of organization and they're hurting people and getting getting people where they need to be. And those people, without them, our entire world would just crumble down to the ground because you bet. I'm I like getting stuff done, but I'm not good at hurting huge groups of people to do stuff. Like I, I can barely manage just myself. <laughs> I, and I, I'm, I'm pretty good at keeping my husband and the kids on track. But for myself, I get off like the timing, all of that. And that's why it's so great to have someone. And I love that you made the distinction between a retreat and a conference. I usually go to conferences and you're right. It is a, you starts at seven 30 and the last meeting is usually at seven or eight. And you just go from room to room and listen to people talk and take notes and all that. And this is not that this is a retreat, which means a retreat away from all of the work and entering into fellowship, friendship, renewal, um, you know, encouragement, uplifting, um, and and comforting. And it's a great thing for pastors to to get to participate in. So I'm I'm it so is. glad that this is a part of American Family Radio and and that we get to share this. And I hope people will really go to the website and take advantage. Could you give us the info one more time? It is repairingthefoundations.net. And you can go there. You can register online as well, or you can call Barbara at 1-800-326-4543. And the date is April 9, 10, and 11 in Tyler, Texas at the Pine Cove Camp. And Jeff Shreve will be our guest speaker there. And it's $400 per couple, not per person now, but per couple. That's lodging, your meals, your materials, and all the fun and laughter and fellowship that you can stand. We'll have it for you. Mm. Okay, so this is your first time coming on the show, and it was, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining and sharing with us about this. We have just, um, I, I've just been so excited about all the different things that are a part of American Family Radio. Regular radio you know, stations, especially across the country, they are advertising those Bull and Branch sheets and um, you know, life lock and stuff like that, which is fine. But we have something special, which is that we're actually sharing things on our programming that are beneficial for the Christian walk and for staying, staying up where we, we have to be in order to kind of withstand the onslaught of living in today's world. So it, it's, it's something exciting. And I hope people will really uh, come alongside, get, get this opportunity to go and spend time in Tyler, Texas, which looks like super fun. It will be. Thank you, Stacy, for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Bert, for coming on today. All right. I'm so excited about that. And I'm I'm also thinking, just just as we were talking, I started thinking about how it's warm in April. And um, that's actually going to be after spring break. And we are going to be hopefully um, experiencing some warm weather as well for spring break. I'm not sure exactly where or how. I have not really planned it out. But um, I'm I'm very hopeful for that as well. Um, I am not exactly sure how much time we have left in this segment, um, but I wanted to listen to this bit of audio of the NATO. Oh, perfect! NATO Secretary General praising President Trump. Now, here's here's the, the let me set the table on this one. You know that for NATO, Donald Trump has been very, very, very critical of how much money America spends in relation to you know, the size of our nation and, and uh, the resources of NATOs that we use. And 
so he said that the other countries need to contribute more. And other countries balked at it at first. We can't do it. We can't help. Well, now they have. And I'm so glad they have because it just it's another notch in the president's belt when it comes to accomplishments. Now, the mainstream media will never mention it. And that's fine. We'll mention it here on the show right now. It's number four. So President Trump has been very clear. He is committed uh, to NATO. He stated that clearly just a few days ago, and he did so also at the NATO summit uh, in uh, July. But at the same time, he has clearly stated that uh, NATO allies need to invest more. And therefore, at the summit in July uh, last year, we agreed to uh, do more, to step up. And now we see the uh, results. Uh, uh, by the end of next year, NATO allies uh, will add uh, 100 billion extra US dollars for uh, defense. So we see some real money and some real results. And we see uh, that a clear message from President uh, Trump is having an impact. Uh, NATO allies have heard the president loud and clear, and now NATO allies are stepping up. So this is good news, uh, meaning that we actually see more uh, fair burden sharing. And this is a complete departure from the way the NATO allies first spoke about um, you know, co- contributing. Uh, just, just think of it for a second here. Remember what they said. They said that they couldn't do more. They said that they weren't able to contribute more and that it was um, the president kind of being rude and he was evil and, and, and anything you can think of that would um, be an insult. That's what people would, would say about the president. Just because he wanted to have people who are getting their basically all of their military protection from the United States contributions, he wanted them to contribute in kind. I think it's kind of fascinating, actually, that not only did they say it couldn't be done and that there was no way that they could contribute and that he was being mean for even suggesting it, but that it's actually happening and it only took a couple of, I mean, he, let's face it, the president was rude. He was rude. He uh, let people understand that he didn't think they were honorable people because of the way that they weren't contributing. He also insulted them a little bit to their faces. Uh, but, but the point is it worked. And I know a lot of people find Donald Trump's mode of speaking to be, you know, they think it's insulting. They, they don't like it. But look at the results. Look at what's going on. It's success. You got to love it. All right. We are going to be back with the last segment of uh, this hour right after this. Keep it here. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've been all over the country helping disaster victims who lose everything. It's truly a blessing. I really don't have the words to express. And yet they see a glimmer of hope when a volunteer shows up. Building the home, that's the second reason we're here. The number one reason is to share the gospel and and give them hope. It's everything that's right in America. I mean, it really represents the, the best that we have to offer. That's one of the main reasons for doing it, is being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus and coming out and working with so many 
many wonderful volunteers. I just feel like it's important in this day and age to teach a child uh, how to serve. Please go to our website, 8daysofhope.com, and click on Get Involved. Submit your email address, and the next time we go anywhere with a disaster, we'll invite you to come along as well. I love coming in the job room because you can see these pieces of paper, they aren't just a piece of paper. Right. It's a family that's hurting, and it's a gospel opportunity. And you know, I just thank God, you know, for this moment. I mean, I'll be back in my home, and I know it's going to be awesome. Come love others with 8 Days of Hope. This is Just a Minute with Stacy Washington. There's a new slogan out, You Are Enough. It's the latest foray into convincing people that self-love is the pathway to freedom and success. This is just repackaged self-esteem nonsense of the same variety preached by secular thought leaders a few decades ago. Instead of going to church, we are encouraged to go to sporting events and huge stadiums on Sunday or stay home and read the newspaper. Instead of studying the Word of God, we're told to meditate on ourselves while holding crystals and humming. How ridiculous! Joy comes from knowing who we are in Christ. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So in essence, the opposite of everything we've heard. The meek will inherit the earth. Confidence comes from working hard and living a godly life. Instead of looking for self-esteem, look for God in his scriptures, in his creation, in serving people. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at stacyontheright.com. This is Poll Paree with Fox News Director of Polling, Dana Blanton. We've all watched the Washington gamesmanship over the border wall. The boldest move yet? The government shutdown. People didn't like it. Our Fox News poll shows more than 8 in 10 Democrats and over 7 in 10 Republicans agreed the shutdown was a major problem or even worse, an emergency. Friday, President Trump agreed to reopen the government temporarily and continue negotiations on the wall. The 35-day stalemate does seem to have caused an uptick in support for the president's most memorable campaign promise. 43% now favor the wall, up four points since September. President Trump said he'd take responsibility for the shutdown, and 51% of voters give him the blame. 34% blame congressional Democrats, 3% point to congressional Republicans, 9% blame them all. Who's going to win? Who's better at Washington gamesmanship? That's a close call, but voters pick House Speaker Nancy Pelosi over President Trump by six points. I'm Dana Blanton, and that's your poll pre. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. But what I do know is that the president is committed to fixing the problem. And it's pretty simple. We have three weeks to work with Democrats. As the president's indicated on a number of occasions, they could get this done in 15 minutes. We agree on the fundamentals that border security is important. We agree on the fact that there is a problem and we should do something about it. So let's spend some time over the next three weeks. Let's get it done. The president's opened the government uh, on the basis that Democrats have signaled to us that they're willing to actually get serious about uh, a real deal and get serious about fixing the problem at the border, including funding for a border wall. Welcome back to the program. I can't uh, stress enough how this is something that we're not seeing people be honest about. And that is when uh, Sarah Sanders says, look, the president reopened the government for one reason and one reason only, and that is to ensure that we get the border wall funding. They're serious about that. Otherwise, why would the president have kept the government closed for 35 days? So the ball is in the court of the Democrats. And I know there's been a lot of speculation, even some here on this show, what will happen if the president, uh, you know, has is forced to 
declare a national emergency, how will that um, impact, you know, the, the, obviously the courts and there'll be a battle and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think it's worth discussing. It's certainly worth having experts on and hearing opinions about, uh, you know, the, how, does, how does that work? What would that look like, et cetera, et cetera. But I just want to be perfectly clear that in the end, if we're doing what's right, then yes, we, we want to strategize, we want to be concerned, but we also want to offer the decision-making. Once we're sure we're on the right path, we pray about it, and then we just get after it. And that, that's what we have to do. Uh, so I'm, that's what I'm hoping the president is, is doing. And we have to do our part by praying for him and the decision-making process, which brings me to, um, so you got the 2020 field cracking up together on the, the, the Democrat side. And this is pretty interesting. You have, uh, you know, um, these people, they're, they're kind of ridiculous. And one of the people who are ridiculous, who's recently come out and is claiming that he's going to run as an independent is um, our good friend here, uh, the CEO of Starbucks. So President Trump took to Twitter to kind of eviscerate the guy, which is, this is what they should expect. This is what he did during the last campaign. It's what he'll do during the next one. Nothing has changed. Howard Schultz doesn't have the guts to run for president. Watched him on 60 Minutes last night, and I agree with him that he is not the smartest person. Besides, America already has that. I only hope that Starbucks is still paying me their rent in Trump Tower. (laughs) <laughs> so that's the tweet that he sent out. Now, during the um, the interview, Schultz had a lot to say about um, President Trump's social media habits. Um, he says, I think like most people, I've become bored with President Trump and his tweets, which is good because Twitter is not the official mechanism by which the president communicates with Americans. And so while he's tweeting, if you want to be communicated with on social media, then that is your your choice. Go on to Twitter and read his tweets. If you don't like his style of tweeting, you can get on the White House press list and get actual missives from so-called journalists and reporters who are traveling with the president and they report his every move. If that's not your cup of tea, you can check from uh, the White House website where they put out the kind of, it's kind of like uh, Good Morning America type fluff PR pieces um, that talk about everything that's going on at the White House. So you'll hear about all of the little social things and, uh, you know, the this and that in the Rose Garden and yada, yada, yada. I mean, what's funny to me is that people are so obsessed with Twitter. If you become bored with his tweets, then why are you talking about them? If they're not something of interest to you, why discuss them? So... Washington Democrats tweeted Mr. Howard and said, don't do it, Howard. Uh, They used one of his own Starbucks cups and tweeted him an image of it and wrote on it, don't do it, Howard. This is the fanatic, hardcore left of the Democratic base. They don't uh, appreciate him saying he'd run as an independent. Um, So, you know, be that as it may, the guy's going to do whatever he wants to do. Um, now we, we've discussed, I'm going to pivot over. We have just a couple more things to get to this, this hour. We talked about Cuomo, who is a supposedly devout Catholic practicing Catholic. He's the governor of the state of New York. And he signed into law this, uh, really crazy legislation that permits abortion up to the ninth month. And during the ninth month, this legislation also removes the criminal, 
um, nature of killing a woman who's pregnant, you, you're only guilty of killing her, not the baby. So if you want to kill a baby lawfully, and, and you know, not at, through an abortion, but you want to kill someone who's pregnant that you don't want to be pregnant anymore, you can kill them or you can beat them to, to within an inch of their life. And if they survive, but you've killed the baby, you will have accomplished your mission and you'll only be guilty of assault. This is who the Democrats are. So then Cardinal Dolan comes out, and I just don't understand his logic here. It's as if he's saying, if I don't see an immediate benefit from something, I'm not going to do it, even if the something that is being discussed is what's right. So Catholics have called for Governor Cuomo to be excommunicated. And Cardinal Dolan says it would be counterproductive. It's number three. I get wheelbarrows of letters every day. I think that would be counterproductive myself. Uh, for one... Well, he's not following ca- Catholic doctrine. Well, I don't know if... Cath- I, this, But there's my point, Steve. We would be giving a, uh, ammo to our enemies who say, this is an internal Catholic disciplinary uh, matter. Uh, this is really not civil rights. This is really not biology. These Catholics don't have freedom when it comes to this. I, don't, I think we'd be given our, our enemies Church, ammo. the Catholic Church, Cardinal, stands against abortion. And here is the most prominent Catholic in the state of New York. And he's saying, oh, you know, this is and, a good thing. And the, Catholic, the, the canon laws, which you, uh, thank you, uh, quoted, would also say that you have to use it for a medicinal purpose. And you think that there's going to be a good effect that can come out of this. We have a governor that brags about it. We have a governor that uses his dissent from church teaching as applause lines. In fact, we have a governor that takes quotes from Pope Francis out of context to draw an artificial cleavage between the bishops of New York and and the Holy Father himself. He's not going to be moved by this. So what would be the use? What's the use if he doesn't care? It's instructive to those who are watching this guy. People who are saying, you know what, just just the same as what happened with Barack Obama. Barack Obama evolved, quote fingers, which is a total lie from the pit of hell. He was totally in support of same-sex marriage and all of that, and he just lied about it so he could get elected. And it's the same thing with, with Cuomo. Cuomo might not be personally affected. He, he might not say, oh, you know what? Oh, I've been excommunicated. Boy, I'm changing my mind. No, he's pretty entrenched. He's got this stuff. He's, he's infected with it. But... Others who might be watching him, or they're definitely watching him, people who are literally, they're saying to themselves, wow, he's, he's supporting infanticide and he's not being excommunicated? Well, I guess it must be okay. I guess the Catholic Church doesn't really oppose abortion after all. I know I was raised to believe that it was wrong. I know that I've been told many, many times if I support it, I would be excommunicated. But if he's not excommunicated and it's fine for him, then I guess it must be okay for me to support it too. How in the world can we say to ourselves, that's not what the, what's happening when the Catholics aren't excommunicating him? The fact is, he is guilty. And if he's not excommunicated, then any other person who feels the same as he does, will, well, they have every reason to go ahead and, and believe as, as however they see fit. Whatever they feel is right can be right. Is that what we want?
Um, is that what we want Catholics to do? The same as what happened with Christians? Christians, I, I've heard people say it. They've said it right to my face. Well, you know, I didn't really support same-sex marriage before, but Barack Obama supports it, and he's a Christian. Him and his wife are Christians. They go to church, and they support it. And, you know, he was the president of the United States, and so I support it too. I, that, I've had people tell me that, and I'm like, but what about what the Bible says? Don't you think what the Bible says? And they'll tell me right to my face. Well, yeah, the Bible is able to be interpreted, and I just don't interpret it the same way anymore. That's what they'll say. And that's just ludicrous. But if, if this is where we are, where we, we literally have people, um, you know, doing this, saying this, then that's exactly what's going to happen. People will, quote, finger, evolve. And once they've evolved, um, there's really not much that can be done about it, is there? There's, there's not much that can be done. People will just evolve and uh, believe whatever they want to believe. And um, the rest of us will have to keep screaming from the rooftops until our voices are sore that that's not right, that what, what's happening isn't accurate, it's not true, it's not good. And people will be deceived and led astray. And that's what's happening. And, that, and, and to me, that's the part about this that's so disgusting is that you're not going to have Barack Obama to blame at the judgment seat. You don't get to say, well, you know what? I just thought it was okay because he was doing it. And I just figured, you know, um, I, would, I would do it too. No, that's not going to work. So if, if one of the things that's most important to you is being in line with what scripture says, then this, this isn't going to work. It's, it's not you can't pick and choose what scriptures you believe. And Cardinal Dolan, of all people, should know this. Cardinal Dolan should be the first one to say, we are going to remove um, you know, him from, from the Catholic Church. We need, we need to let him go. And he made the choice. He made the choice, not us. Um, additionally, Speaking of 2020 candidates and speaking of all of the things that are going on with that, uh, you've got Kamala Harris now coming out. She's, she's really outlining who she is as a presidential candidate. In addition to being a homewrecker, which was, is a part of her historical record, um, you have her talking about eliminating private health insurance, which notice she would be the president, so she would still have private health insurance. The rest of us, um, we would not. We would be stuck like cattle getting these, you know, kind of garbage health care, throwaway health care. And she would be perfectly fine using private health care. And then when she was no longer the president, do you think she would, what, go on to Medicaid for all? No. Medicare for all, she would not. She would still have private insurance because she would be an elite. And her children would be elites or her, anybody she has in her in her personal sphere would be elites. She wouldn't have to worry about it. She's embracing socialized medicine. She also says there's no reason to have assault weapons in a civil society. The misnomer being that any of us have assault weapons. She doesn't even know what the definition of an assault weapon is. 
because there is no definition. It's a weapon that looks scary. It's a weapon that looks, um, you know, like something out of the movies. When in reality, the same kinds of capabilities that are had in a, uh, a, a what she calls an assault weapon are also had in guns that are that have wood casing and don't have a collapsible stock, and they have the same capability. They even take the same rounds. So the good news for today as we close out the show is National School Choice Week. This week is National School Choice Week, and I encourage parents who have any kids of school age to check out all of the resources. You can type in National School Choice Week into your search engine. And this year, in 2019, the week is setting records as the largest celebration of opportunity in education in American history. Um, National School Choice Week founded this movement in 2011. And it's, uh, it's exciting. These are different types of schools and educational opportunities for parents and their children, including traditional public schools, public charter schools, magnet schools, private schools, online academies, and the increasingly popular option of homeschooling. There are 40,559 independently planned events and activities being held this week across the country, including 21,255 school events, 15,300 family organized events, and 1,684 homeschool group events. 1,332 individual teachers, campus groups, or organizational events, and 978 local chambers of commerce-led events. There's actually a map that families can access to learn more about the different school choice options available in their state. It also lists events state by state and information about elected officials' proclamations in support of National School Choice Week. What I'd love to do is I'm going to put this up on the Facebook page, And um, you can find this link there and access it. If you're not satisfied with your kid's schooling option, now's a great chance to check out what's available in your state and possibly make a change for the incoming fall school year. God bless. Have a fantastic evening. If you're sticking around, you have One News Now news and information up next. God bless. God bless.